Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 8, and if I were to give this one a title, it's The Real King Enters the Room. The Real King Enters the Room. I want to ask you a question. What would you do if your like celebrity crush were to walk into the room? And, and by celebrity crush, I don't necessarily mean a celebrity you would like to date, but like, what is the one celebrity that you just are in awe of, and if they walked into the room, what would you do? We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the right response when someone like that enters the room. But before we do that, as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure that you are commenting and letting us know, just like we had someone on YouTube just the other day comment and say, thank you for taking the time to do this. I'm learning uh, God's word and enjoying the process. I want to say thank you so much for letting us know that. There are people behind the scenes that help us put this vid- these videos together, people that are at the Bible Breakdown Discussion Group on Facebook that you need to be part of, and knowing that all of this is worth it really does help. And so it is encouraging to us. Thank you for that. But also, as always, my favorites, the podcast listeners, and I do that mainly to aggravate the YouTube listeners, but for all of you, please make sure you're leaving us a five-star review and then reviewing and letting us know what is it about God's word and how we're explaining it that's working. How can we make it better and all the things like, for instance, if you're listening to this, you're not going to see this, but if you're watching the YouTube channel, you can see beside me, I have got some books right here. And this is because someone made a suggestion. Hey, we would love to know some of the resources that you love to read. Well, one of the things I do is I put out a newsletter every week with resources and things I'm learning, but also I'm just putting it out here for you to see. So we really do pay attention to the stuff that you say. And so I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful that we get to do this together. So if you have your Bibles, and open them up with me to 1 Kings chapter 8. Remember, the overview of this, the overall theme of this entire book is that your history tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story of what God is doing in your life. Right now, everything looks beautiful. In 1 Kings, we've, we've seen so far how David, you know, he died and he passed the reins over to Solomon, and now Solomon is building the temple, and it's this amazing thing. And we're, we're going to read today about an amazing moment in the history of Israel. But that's not all that's happening and all that's going to happen. There's great moments. There's going to be some challenging moments. But to realize all throughout the way, God is always working and God is always moving. It's the same thing with our life. There's going to be these mountaintop experiences. There's going to be deep valley experiences, but God is with us all along the way. And today is one of those good ones. When I ask you that question again, I asked you a minute ago, and that is, what would you do if your celebrity crush walked into the room? Maybe you would, you know, I've heard people say that when the celebrity they think a lot of, they just freeze. They, they want to ask for an autograph. They want to engage. They don't know what to do. They just freeze. I've heard of other people who just kind of try to play it cool but they play it too cool and they end up making an idiot out of themselves. Or some people just go straight into it. Hey, look, I'm a fan. You know, that's kind of stuff. One of the things I think that's funny 
is if you ever watch a celebrity meet their celebrity crush and just watch them who are used to being cool just freak out, right? So I had this happen to me one time where I had a chance to meet, like in my world would have been a celebrity crush, but it was it was a pastor, okay? that That's the level of geek I am, right? It was a pastor I'd always wanted to meet. And I was simultaneously overjoyed and amazed and let down because it turns out he was human, <laughs> which meant he couldn't live up to my expectations. And so it was great and it was wonderful, but it was all the things. But I froze. I did. I didn't know what to say. And then I tried to play it off cool. Like, hey, man, what's up? Turns out neither one of those was the right response. I just needed to be normal, you know, not pretend to be normal. But I want to ask you the question, what do you do? Well, what we're about to see is the true king, the true king of the universe walks into the room. And then watch the right response that Solomon does. So first let's read this, and then let's watch how Solomon responds. Are you ready? 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 1 says this. Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral families of Israel. They were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. So all the men of Israel assembled before King Solomon at the annual festival of shelters, which is held in early autumn in the month of Athen. When all the elders of Israel arrived, the priest picked up the ark, and the priests and Levites brought up the ark of the Lord with the special tent and all the sacred items that had been in it. There, before the ark, King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep, goats, and cattle that no one could keep count. Then the priest carried the ark of the Lord's covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and he placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the ark, forming a canopy over the ark and its carrying poles. Now pause. Just as a, re- just a reminder, these were golden um, cherubim. Okay, I know the way it reads, it sounds like that these were like real living cherubim who did that. No, no, no. These, these are gold. I'm just saying that when he placed it under there, they just spread over. Okay, just want to make sure that, that that's clear. Verse 8. These poles were so long at their ends that they could be seen from the holy place, which is in front of the most holy place, but not from the outside. They were still there to, they are still there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Mount Sinai, where the Lord had made a covenant with the people of Israel when they had left the land of Egypt. When the priests came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. Now, pause. There's two things there, and then we're going to keep going. First of all, do you notice how it said that the only thing in the Ark of the Covenant was the ten tablets that Moses had put in there? When they say only, it's because at one point there were three things that was in the Ark of the Covenant. There was the ten stone tablets, which is still there. There was the staff of Aaron, that when he was accused of not really being the one God had chosen, they, they had put these different staves, uh, staves, however you say that, out there. And the next morning, his staff had budded and flowers had come up. And so that was God affirming that the Levites and that particular family of Levites had been called to be the high priest. So it was a complete total miracle. So it was put in the Ark of the Covenant. And then a bowl of manna had also been put in there as a symbol of the miracle of God keeping them. 
there's a lot of controversy surrounding why those two elements were not in there at this point. And to be honest with you, it really depends on which way you want to go. The Bible doesn't really tell us what happened. Therefore, it's not important for us to know for certain. But there's a lot of different things. And I want to know at the Bible Breakdown Discussion Group on Facebook what you, what you discover and what you think happened to those other two things. But the most important thing is to realize that when they brought the Ark of the Covenant, and if you remember, the Ark of the Covenant was not the object of their worship. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God that was going with them. So it wasn't an idol. It was a symbol of the presence of God. And so when the Ark of the Covenant went into the temple, and it was in the Holy of Holies as a symbol of where God would rest his presence, it was a symbol of the throne of God. And it was thought that when the presence of God would come down, that he would sit on the mercy seat, and the mercy seat was the top of the ark. The way the ark was made, the, the wings of the cherubim would, would kind of go and they would touch in the middle, and it would make a natural-looking seat. And so the mental picture is that when the presence of God would descend, that he would look as though he had taken the form of a man, and he would sit on top of the ark, and that was his throne. And that's what the presence of God would be like. Now, of course, he didn't physically do that, but it was just a way for them to get in their mind what it looked like for the transcendent, all-powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, uh, outside of space, time, and reality, God entering into our time, space, and reality in a way we could understand all of that, how he had come into our present reality. (laughs) That's why God would use those different examples is to help us get our minds around the eternal coming into our finite world. Okay. That messed your brain up a little bit. Mine too. Right. And so when he would, when he did that in this moment, God is here. And you notice how it said in verse 10 and 11, the priests could not minister anymore because a thick cloud. Think of it like a, almost like a fog, something that you visibly can't see to the other side of. So literally like a cloud filled the temple and the priests could not do their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Now, we don't know if this was a cloud that was so thick they literally couldn't penetrate it. I tend to believe it was more of a a sense of awe, a sense of honor, a sense of holy, reverent fear that I'm not going to approach that cloud because that cloud is the presence of God. And I, out of respect, am not going to do that. And so the true king has now entered his throne room. So what do you do? when your celebrity crush or someone you highly admire comes into your presence or you come into theirs. Well, watch what Solomon does. Here we go. Verse 12. Then Solomon prayed. So what does he say? Then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. Now I have built a glorious temple for you, a place where you can live forever. Then the king turned around to the entire community of Israel standing before him and gave this blessing. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept the promise he made to my father David. For he told my father, from this day, I brought my people out of Egypt. I have never chosen a city among any of the tribes of Israel as the place where a temple should be built to honor my name. But I have chosen David to be king over my people Israel. Then Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, You wanted to build a temple to honor my name, and your intentions are good, but you are not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build a temple to honor me. And now the Lord has fulfilled this promise he made, for I have become king in my father's place, 
and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. I have built this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, and I have prepared a place there for the ark, which contains the covenant that the Lord made and our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifted his hands toward heaven and prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven above or on earth below. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. And now, O Lord God of Israel, carry out the additional promise you made to your servant David, my father. For you said to him, if your descendants guard their behavior and follow faithfully, uh, faithfully follow me as you have done, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Now, O God of Israel, fulfill this promise to your servant David, my father. But... Will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you today. May you watch over this temple night and day, this place that you have said your name will be there. May you always hear the prayers I make toward this place. May you hear the humble and the earnest requests from me and your people Israel when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live, and when you hear, forgive. If someone wrongs another person and is required to take an oath of innocence in front of your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and judge between your servants, the accuser and the accused. Punish the guilty as they deserve, but acquit the innocent because of their innocence. If your people of Israel... If your people Israel are defeated by the enemies because they have sinned against you, and if they turn to you and acknowledge your name and pray to you here in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and return them to this land that you gave their ancestors. If the skies are shut up and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you, and if they pray toward this temple and acknowledge your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them, then hear from heaven, forgive their sins and the sins of your servants and your people Israel. Teach them to follow the right path and send rain on your land that you have given to your people as special possessions. If there is a famine in the land or a plague of, or a crop disease or attack of locusts or caterpillars or if your people's enemies are in the land besieging their towns, whatever disaster or disease there is, and if your people Israel pray about their troubles, raising their hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and forgive. Give your people what their actions deserve, for you alone know each human heart. Then they will fear you as long as they live in the land you gave to our ancestors. In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you. They will come from distant lands because of your name, for they will hear your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live. Grant what they have asked of you, and in this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and to fear you, just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. If your people go out where you send them to fight their enemies, 
But if they pray to the Lord by turning this to this city that you have chosen and this temple that I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayer from heaven and uphold this cause. If they sin against you, and who has never sinned, your might you might become angry with them and their enemies may conquer them and take them captive to the land far away or even near. But in that land of exile, they might turn to you in repentance and pray. We have sinned, done evil, and acted wickedly. If they turn to you with their whole heart and their soul in the land of their enemies and pray toward the land you gave their ancestors, toward this city that you have chosen, the temple that I have built to honor your name, then hear, hear their prayers and their petitions from heaven where you live and uphold their cause. Forgive your people when they've sinned against you. Forgive all their offenses that they have committed against you and make their captors merciful to them. For they are your people, your special possession, whom you brought out of the iron smelting furnace of Egypt. May your eyes be open to my request and may your requests and to the request of your people Israel. May you hear and answer them whenever they cry out to you. For when you brought out our ancestors out of Egypt, O sovereign Lord, you told your servant Moses that you had set Israel apart from all the nations to be your own special possession. So what Solomon is doing is he is just saying a time is going to come when we are going to need to get in touch with you. And wherever we are, when we remember that you dwell among your people and we pray in the direction of this temple, as a, as a touch point, as a reminder of your covenant, hear our prayer when we pray. Such a beautiful request. Verse 54, when Solomon finished making these prayers and petitions to the Lord, he stood up in front of the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands raised toward heaven. And he stood and in a loud voice, he blessed the entire congregation of Israel. Praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises that he gave to his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. And may he never leave us or abandon us. May he give us the desire to do his will in everything and to obey all the commands, decrees, and regulations that he gave to our ancestors. And may these words that I have prayed in the presence of the Lord be before him constantly, day and night, so that the Lord our God may give justice to me and to his people Israel according to each day's needs. Then people all over the world will know that the Lord alone is God and there is no other. And may you be completely faithful to the Lord our God. May you always obey his decrees and commands just as you are doing today. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon offered to the Lord, listen to this. Uh, he offered to the Lord a peace offering of 22,000 th th cattle, 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep and goats, as a lot of sheep and goats. And so the king and all the people of Israel did this as they dedicated the temple of the Lord. That same day, the king consecrated the central area of the courtyard in front of the Lord's temple. He offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, fat of peace offerings there because of the bronze altar and the Lord's presence was too small to hold all the burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings. Then Solomon and all of Israel celebrated the festival of shelters in the presence of the Lord our God. A large congregation had gathered from far away as far as Libo Hamath in the north and the brook of Egypt in the south. 
The celebration went on for 14 days in all, seven days for the dedication of the altar and seven days for the Festival of Shelters. After the Festival of Shelters was over, Solomon sent the people home. And they blessed the king and went to their joyful, their homes joyful and glad because the Lord had been good to the servant, uh, his servant David and to the people Israel. First of all, that's a really long chapter. All right. Second of all, just in case you forgot, the Festival of the Shelters is when they commemorate the time when they were living in the wilderness. And so it's just a time to celebrate what God had done and what God had brought them through. So let's go back to the original question and we're going to end our time together. And that is this. What would you do if... Your celebrity crush walked into the room. I told you earlier that I froze up. I didn't know what to say, and then I tried to play it off, and ended up just embarrassing myself. Well, the greatest of great came into the room with Solomon, and Solomon did the right thing. You know what he did? He didn't waste the opportunity. The Bible said that when all the priests couldn't, they couldn't minister because the glory of the Lord had filled the temple. The Bible says, but or and Solomon prayed. In other words. He didn't just sit there. He engaged. He said, God, this is my moment. This is a chance for me to connect with you, for me to ask you some big, big prayers. And so I'm going all the way. And so I want to encourage you with something to say that because we are now the temple of God and because the Holy Spirit rests in us, we don't have to wait for a dedication ceremony. But even right now, the greatest of great lives inside of you. So I want to encourage you, don't waste it. Don't, don't waste the opportunity to engage with the Lord. The thing is I love about God is the Bible says the very hairs on your head are numbered. Yet, he still wants you to pray and talk to him. If you think about that, that means then that every time you talk to God, you're not informing him of something he doesn't know. He's already aware of everything that's happening, but he still wants you to talk to him. Why? Because he's interested in fellowship. Because he's interested in relationship. You look all the way back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. He created all of this so he could be in fellowship and relationship with his creation. And the king of the universe has walked into your room right now. The truth is, he never left. He's always been there. But he's there nonetheless. And he wants to talk to you. So I want to encourage you today, don't waste it. But talk to him and engage and see what God will do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you're the king of the universe, and you want to know us. You want to be in relationship with us. I celebrate that today. I pray that everyone who is listening or watching this podcast will feel your presence, will experience your nearness, and know that you are with us, and you're for us in all things. And Lord, that will excite us to engage with you, and Lord, we give you the thanks and the praise in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. My hope for you is that you will make a decision such as Elijah. He comments on just a few chapters from now in 1 Kings chapter 18 when he looks over at the people and he says, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. The same God that showed up in the temple and he amazed the people of Israel is the same God who lives in you and is all around you right now. Follow him him and watch what he'll do. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for First Kings chapter 